Hey everybody, welcome to Rockpile Talkpile, the official podcast of the Colorado Rockies subreddit. I'm Zach, otherwise known as username Zach17. And I'm John, jfoster15. And that's going to be the the team right now. For now. We're going to call this the, the battery episode. Nice. Um, I don't actually sure who's the pitcher and who's the catcher in this situation. We can all be. We can, we're both pitcher and catcher right now. We're like a better Shohei Otani. We're one. It'd be interesting if Shohei Otani could just be like a catcher for a day. I would love that to be honest. Oh my god! Because maybe he would just be able to hit all those home runs and be a catcher. Got the arm for it. Well, Doesn't not he? now because of the Tommy John, but normally. Well, he should just switch arms. What can't Shohei Otani do? Yeah, that right now. Hit right now. He could be like Pat Vendetti, who is left-armed and right-armed. Right. Um, speaking of. Other strange last names that start with V. <laughs> nice. You know where I'm going with this. I'd like you all to appreciate the Colorado Rockies spring training RBI leader, Flash Pat MVP. Vileka. Yes, Mr. How Pat How do you feel Vileka. about that, John? So going into spring training, um, I was uh, mixed feelings, I would say, on Pat Vileka even being on the the 40-man roster because there's a roster crunch coming soon down the road and I thought they would get ahead of it by releasing Pat because as user legacy 3233 aka Evan has pointed out he was abysmal in Mexican Winter League this offseason which is not the highest level of baseball <laughs> but he has shown himself to maybe have some weird odd year stuff like Eric Hosmer or he just worked really hard or maybe he ate some bad Mexican food and had a stomach virus the whole time. Who knows? There's no, like... I don't feel like he would do steroids. And this doesn't look like steroids. You know? Is there, like, a, like a new, like, Adderall prescription or anything? Maybe. I hear um, they have to sign in for those. And baseball's not exactly... They're perfectly fine granting them if a doctor says you need it. So, I mean, I guess if pets... Mexican league doctor was perfectly cool giving him a script. Do what you gotta do, I guess. <laughs> no, it just it's just strange because literally he was abysmal. And now suddenly he's great for spring training. Was there like a was there like a Christmas miracle that we didn't hear about? Like he opened a box and it was like a mirror or something and he finally saw into himself and then So <laughs> You know what I should have done more research on before this is see who he's hitting off of. Because what if he's hitting off of, like, AAA dudes who are, like, 27 years old and are on the 40-man just because they're so old? But he's also, like, not done well in AAA, though. That's true. So maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Maybe he's just Eric Hosmer. He must have found Michael's uh, special uh, water. Nice. You know? Yes. Space Jam Just like how Mike... Mike Talkman has found special water with uh, his RBIs, but not really much else. I mean, Talkman made this team out of spring last year because of a good spring training, and that surprised, I would say, 99% of Rockies fans. Mike Talkman and his family might have been the only ones who weren't surprised. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's precedent for Pat Vileka, who's having a great spring, to make yeah. the team when most... Because there is a roster crunch... You can only have 25 people, 
So there's a, there's a backup first baseman to Daniel Murphy who everyone in this world thinks is Mark Reynolds. But with the way spring training's going, maybe that's Pat Vileka. And Pat has the benefit of being able to play second, shortstop, third if need be, and left field, whereas Mark can be in a position to play third base, but not well. He would he would stand around third base. I'm sure yeah. he'd probably make a play or two. Yeah, I mean... It's so weird saying I'd rather have Pat Vileka at third base. Ooh. I mean... Who else would be the backup third baseman if it weren't for Mark for Reynolds and Mark, Pat Vileka? Well, McMahon. Oh, McMahon. yeah. Move, yeah. Oops. Yeah. Brain fart there. But we're all just... The thing is that Pat is going to make the team. I... Just based off of Mike Talkman's making the team last year off of a good spring training, the only thing I could think of is, is if the Rockies go to Mark Reynolds and say, hey... We want to reassign you to Albuquerque. Maybe he says no, and they don't want to lose him. But then again, mm. the Nationals said, hey, we're going to send you to wherever their AAA is last year. And he said, okay. Mark Riles just wants to be a contender, so that way when it comes time for him to come up, he can do stuff. And if we talk about Mark Reynolds' spring, it's not great if you're looking for, like, you know, average. But the on-base percentage of... Three 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 is not terrible. I mean, and Mark Reynolds is a dude who just strikes out and hits home runs. He's not a three two outcome guy. He's a two of a third outcome guy, and he's always been that. I think he has like two of the five most strikeout seasons ever. Um. Yes, but who is leading the team in walks right now, John? I'm gonna go based off context clues and say Mark Reynolds. Oh my god, it's Mark Reynolds. How did you know? I don't know. Lucky guess. I don't know. Maybe he's a three outcomes guy now. He's got four hits, two home runs, and two doubles. So this is kind of like if he's going to be your pinch hitter, um, I, I'd kind of be okay with it. You know, if you've got an on-base percentage of like 3-3-3. Three, three, three. Again, this is spring training stats. Don't take anything too seriously. <laughs> um, but if you can either get on base or get an extra base hit, I'm in. I mean, Matt Stairs basically made an entire career of just being that dude. Right? And maybe Mark can carve that out late in his career. It's just we're – I don't know. It's, it's going to be a hard decision to make because Vileka really did play his way on the team. And you can't have Vileka and Reynolds. I mean, you if you have Vileka and Reynolds, that means one of Garrett Hampson or Ryan McMahon isn't making the team out of spring – or, I, or, counterpoint, um, did you see Rymel Tapia's numbers? <laughs> They're not great, Bob. They're not great, Bob. You got you to do a little better than that, Rymel. Um, just in context, you know, your on-base percentage plus slugging average is your OPS. That's uh, .663 for Tapia. Yeah, and for those that don't know, OPS is sort of like a grade... 90 per, 900 is 90 percent and a 800 b etc so 663 is basically a d he's basically failing he's not failing he's just not going to pass yeah i think the only thing rymel has going in his favor if you can call it that is that he has no more minor league options left so either mm-hmm. you put him on the 25 or you risk losing him and he's talented enough to where i don't yeah. think he'd sneak through waivers 
The thing that I like about him right now is the, the RBI is 11. I mean, that is still contextual, but he's got to get something done at some point. Yeah, what? and unfortunately, thanks AT&T, we haven't been able to watch him field much, and that's kind of the biggest reason he hasn't been able to stick yet at the major league level, according to the Rockies. Who knows if that's true, but that's what they say. Um, so I don't know. At a certain point, you got to show results, and I understand that the Rockies haven't given him the most opportunities to show results, but in the opportunities they have given him, they haven't been great. Any guesses on how many steals he's caught? Uh, I'm going to say one. You're wrong. Dang. Do you want to guess again? Uh, I'm going to go zero. You're right. Zero. Yeah. I gave you the benefit of the doubt, right, Mel? Come on. I I don't know. I, I, he's just got kind of like that, not like a swagger, but, you know, like he's kind of got that confidence. He's trying to, like, prove himself, and you really want to root for him, and he, you think he's going to be finally able to do it. And I don't know. He's always had a place in our hearts, but he doesn't have a place on our roster. I mean, he's the classic um, athlete playing baseball that just maybe he's the that's what he is, an athlete playing baseball who is not a baseball player. That sounds yeah. weird, but it happens a lot. So here's what happens is Tapia is just not doing it. I mean, I know I know this is spring training, you don't talk about it too much, but like you haven't stolen a base. And the Rockies are on record saying they want to be extremely aggressive this year in stealing, which Yeah can be a topic for a different discussion. So we haven't seen Ryan Tapia's defense in the outfield, and he has stolen zero bases. You know who steals lots of bases? Garrett Hampson? Garrett the Hamster Hampson. Hampson. Yes. So I don't know how many of our listeners listen to the StatCast podcast from MLB.com, but they were talking about sprint speed stuff on either yesterday's episode or today. I don't remember when they recorded it. But they were talking about Garrett Hampson having, like, He's 30 feet per second, which is almost Billy Hamilton's speed. And so, for context, that's right where Trevor Story is, which we've seen how quick Story is. So, Hampson has the ability to play a bunch of different positions, be super fast, hit for high average, not a lot of power, um, and steal bases, which apparently is what they want to do this year. He plays into everything they want, position versatility and speed and hits. And even though, like, so what's interesting about Gary Hampson right now is his slugging is, like, 654, again, spring trading stats, um, mostly because of three home runs. I mean, that, nope. one he, that one he hit last week, like, the video of it that you got from Thomas Harding made it look like he absolutely crushed that ball. It's spring training, right. so I don't know the exact dimensions of whatever ballpark they're playing at, but it looked like it was going to hit the parking lot. Right. No doubles or triples, though. The, and I think if he played a full, he got like a full season of like 550 at-bats, he'd be right up there at the top of the league in triples because of Coors so, Field, at so and because of Dodger Stadium. Mm-hmm. So... I think the argument that we're making right now is I think Rymel Tapia, we're just going to lose him, and Valleca has played himself onto the roster 
as, you know, your second base, third base shortstop utility guy. And that means that Hampson is now your fourth outfielder and Tapia's international Ooh, bonus money. I love hearing that. If only. I don't, I don't think I think they're going to try. I think in a perfect world, they would just sneak him through waivers and get him on a AAA, but I don't. With all the teams that would love to try and mold that kind of guy in teams like Baltimore and Miami. He's, he's got he's, something. He's extremely talented. It's just him putting it together. And there's teams like Kansas City and Baltimore and Miami and Chicago White Sox who aren't trying to win right now and will be perfectly fine taking a project guy with no options left and giving him 200 to 300 at-bats and just saying, go and figure it out. Unfortunately, we don't have that luxury right now. I would argue we should have done it in 2017, but here we are. Speaking of uh, people who still haven't figured it out, who would be really, really nice if they figured it out, um, our uh, our catcher who could have been, Tom Murphy, has got 25 hole at-bats and five hits, two home runs, and a 739 OPS. And he's also out of options, so it's 25-man roster or try and sneak him through waivers or trade him. And unlike Tapia, I think they have at least a small chance of being able to get him through waivers and putting him on AAA. But again, there's so many teams that are not trying to compete this year that would take a 27-year-old catcher with that kind of power and try and figure it out. If we could just trade both of those guys to the Orioles and we wouldn't be able to get anything that the Orioles have, basically, no. that are good. Because nothing's good in the <laughs> Orioles right now. We're not going to get Trey Mancini because we're never going to part with him. Uh, I wouldn't want to take a chance on Bundy. And that's not enough, it's not for, enough anyway. for Bundy. I would take a chance on Bundy, but I don't think the, the way I don't think the that's team is enough. constructed right now to take a chance on a guy like Bundy. Yeah. But I don't think the Rockies would be like smart enough to say like, well, both these guys are out of options and both are underperforming. Let's turn them around at their lowest value. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, if you do trade them, you are trading them at the worst possible time because whatever team trades for them has to put them on the twenty-five, so they can basically say, right. what, 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 what benefit do we get out of this? I mean, it doesn't feel nearly as bad as like a Hop Atkins situation. No. You know, where those were like, wow, these are great players, but you got nothing. I mean, those two fell off the cliff. I mean, those two were legitimately good players that just one day woke up and couldn't hit, and neither were good defenders in the first place. So, so I'm pretty sure, sh- I don't know, I how much how many more spring training games are left even? It's March 14th. Season starts in exactly two weeks. All right. I mean... I, I there's there's no way Murphy's going to make the yeah, roster. I'd, It'll be interesting. What I we don't do with see him. a scenario where Tom Murphy's on the roster on uh, two weeks from today. I do see a scenario I, where they're able to sneak him through waivers, but I think the most likely thing is they try and sneak him through waivers. Some team claims him, and then they work out a deal for something that we all look at and go, eh, whatever. There's a weird feeling that's going to be like. The Tigers. Probably. I mean, a team that's not looking to compete, they'll take that power catcher and just try. Yeah. It's going to be like some AL Central Yeah, team. I mean, there's three of them that aren't trying. <laughs> and the Royals lost Sal Perez, so 
I mean, that's not the worst fit. It's just that, like, you're not going to get results. No, and honestly, if the Rockies were proactive, maybe they could have called the Royals the second they heard about Sal Perez's injury and said, look, we got this catcher who's relatively young, has a lot of power, and he has no more options. And we'll take him for this single-A outfielder who's not performing the greatest but has tools. Do we get Junis? I've heard good things. Uh, I don't think the Royals would trade Junis at all in any way, no. shape, or form. They got to hold on to something. I mean, they got to put butts in the seats somehow. Right. Um, speaking of... Uh, butts in the seats. <laughs> butts in the seats. You know what puts butts in the seats? Uh, Nolan Arenado and... Uh, Nolan Arenado and Daniel Murphy. Um, I'm guessing you're referring to their interviews, sort of on Fangraphs. Yeah, both their butts had have been in seats they were, for those because they were talking hitting, which is the title of the articles. <laughs> the most literal ways to get yes. a segue. Quite interesting. Um, so um, you got a chance to look at those. I for skimmed a over Murphy's. I read Nolan's just because I wanted to see if the interviewer asked any questions about Coors Field effect, and unfortunately, they didn't, which upset me greatly. So, mm. uh, but I I, I, mean, I, I know about Murphy's past and how he remade his swing going from the Mets to the Nationals, which is one of the things that I hope him and. And um, where where I think the different the biggest difference in there to talk about hitting is Nolan talks about how I just want to put a good swing on the ball. I'm trying to put backspin on the ball. I'm basically aiming for behind center field wall. Whereas Murphy's talking about how I'm looking for a certain location and I'm going to react to that certain location and try and lift the ball. It was it was really interesting that like Nato likes Murphy because they seem like completely different people in these interviews. I mean, um, Nato saying I'm gonna back leg the baseball, and if I can get my on my back leg and stay there, every pitch that's inner half I'm able to be like boom instead of back in the day when I was just going the other way. And he said I used to be a front leg hitter. I'm a back leg hitter, and he compared his rookie like, year to basically hitting like DJ LeMahieu does now. Yeah. He says, I never focus on lifting the baseball. I think about backspinning the baseball. Take a nice little swing and backspin the baseball. Yeah. Which is Alex, which was Alex then, Rodriguez's thing, too, was put as much backspin on the baseball as you could. Yeah. And it's interesting. He says, what people are doing now is thinking about lifting the ball and getting the ball in the air. I'm not saying that's wrong, but there's a proper way to do it. It's not just dip and drive. It's getting the ball in the right spot with backspin and staying on top of the baseball. That's a great leverage. And so that's Nolan Arnott. And then transition to Murphy's, which is basically saying, I do try and lift the ball. (laughs) (laughs) It's the exact opposite. His thing, like, I'm still rooting for Murphy because he's he's our guy. Um, But, man, it is interesting. Just completely out of context. I'm going to try to read this and see if you can actually follow. 
Against certain pitchers, dot, 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 when you get with a, one with a higher spin rate or a really good spin access, a true spin access to the ball, a steep entry point is necessary because that's not going to match the plane of the pitch. Conversely, if I get someone with a lower spin rate, more side-to-side spin access, my entry point needs to be different. Not every fastball is created equal. To be honest with you, it sounds like someone who's just using big words because they can. <laughs> it's, what he, it's what he's thinking. He's like, Murphy says... The word you use there is react. There should be nothing reactionary about what we do. It should be all anticipatory. Which is the opposite of what Nolan... Well, Nolan doesn't say that. He says if it's in or half, I'm reactionary. Yeah. So it's like you got Murphy who studies so hard he has something about like, I tried a tunnel. I split the plate up to seven balls. It's seven balls wide, so I pick a tunnel. Depending on the shape of the pitch, I can pick the trajectory, the height I need it to be. I mean... It's extremely interesting to see two guys who, over the last four years, have been two of the 20 best hitters in baseball take completely different approaches to hitting a baseball, and they both do it extremely successfully. Do you think, like, Murphy's going to teach Notto his what ways? What I'm hoping is, is Murphy teaches Desmond and McMahon. I want, I would really honestly like McMahon to, like, blend both of theirs because I think his swing is extremely similar to what Nolan's talking about where he just shot the ball the other way and was front-legged. I would like him to go back-leg, but I would like him to emulate Murphy's focusing on sections of the plate. Murphy isn't the first one I've heard. You just focus on a section. And I can't remember who said it. I think it was Anthony Rizzo or Chris Bryant. It was somebody on the Cubs, which I assume is Rizzo or Mm. Bryant, where they talked about when they have a reliever who's coming in to face them exclusively, they've done so much research on this reliever that they know where they're going to attack them. And they, whichever one it said, they basically said, I'm looking for this area, this section of the plate, where if, they get a, if I get a ball there, I know I can do damage with it. If they throw me anything outside that section, I'm not even going to swing. Right. And so Murphy was talking about his A swings versus B swing and C swing. And Nato's like, what's an ace yeah. wing? It's, it was, it's just so two guys who are extremely successful taking two completely different approaches to hitting. Yeah. You got a Ted Williams yeah. and a Babe it's, it's really, It's got to be really nice for these young guys, though, to have two guys that they, can, that they know are good and they take different approaches so these young players can say... I like hitting the way Murphy explains it. I'm going to go talk with him. Or whereas someone may say, I like the way Nolan hits, I'm going to go talk to what he's doing. And it seems like both of them are extremely open to talking to these guys about hitting. And the thing with McMahon is he was, um, he had admitted that he was kind of behind on a lot of things um, last year. And now, I mean, Ryan McMahon is, is – was he the highest average in the league at, for he a was. certain time? Yeah. Spring training? He had – What's he at uh, now? He's still up there, but he was definitely number one in the Cactus League for a good stretch. 444. In 36 at-bats, Ryan McMahon has an OPS of 1.321. Yeah. Uh, I think he solidified himself as the opening day second baseman. Right. I mean, those doubles – Six doubles, a triple, two home runs. And honestly, he's going to be a guy who hits more doubles than home runs for the next year or two. Which, 
and eventually, once mm. he gets used to major league pitching, those doubles will start turning turning into home runs. I'm fine. I with am doubles. too, especially with the home park we have. Oh, so the um, today's uh, lineup was probably the opening day lineup too. Was that today or was it yesterday? What was that? It was the Blackman. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was yesterday. Blackman, Otto, Murphy, Story, Dahl, Desmond, McMahon, Walters, yeah, pitcher, and right? Yeah, who was that pitcher? Was no. it John Gray? No. It was. Kyle Freeland? I think that was a sneak peek. So Bud had lefty-ready, lefty-ready all the way down, which Bud's going to love. Mm-hmm. It's honestly a really good a lineup, hitting Nolan second. Great lineup. Murphy third, Story fourth, Dahl fifth. You put analytics, say, to put your worst hitter at six, which... Guess where Ian Desmond's hitting <laughs> number six. Yeah. And why do analytics say that? Huh? Why do analytics say that? Because maybe you put on some traffic on like the second and third guys or something, and there's more yeah. likelihood of getting to like the start of the second inning with your sixth guy or something. Yeah, the sixth guy has the, on average during a game, the person batting sixth has the least. Um, Win probability added at bats. Hmm. So, you want your worst hitter hitting sixth. Now, there's other things that analytics say, like you should hit. You're not one of your best hitters should be hitting third, which I understand the math behind it. They're going to come up with two outs more often than not, so I understand the math behind it. But I think maybe because we grew up so much with having the best hitter at third. It just seems weird not having someone like Daniel Murphy hitting third. And so I'm perfectly fine, no matter what the analytics say, hitting Daniel Murphy third. It's, it's weird having Otto second because old school would tell me, like, we need to have somebody a little bit faster on the bases at second, you know? Yeah, not, so, not someone with concrete legs. He's so slow. Like, <laughs> so slow. I, I just, on one hand, would you, would you trade Nada being just a tiny bit faster if you lost something of his? I would lose a little bit of his third base defense just to get some speed. I would I would definitely be okay with that. I don't think I would. Because like our pitching has been amazing in a large part due to Nolan Arenado. Yeah, I know I agree with that. Especially guys like Freeland and Anderson and Bettis, who are more pitch to contact guys. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to transition over to pitching, but in order to transition, I think we're going to have to take a break first. So we'll see you guys after the break. Welcome back to the Rock Pile Talk Pile. We're going to talk some pitching, and we're going to talk about John's favorite pitcher of recent memory who is going to be super, super appointing and not disappointing at all. Just recently, Jeff Hoffman. Yes. Jeff is the guy that if I were filling out our roster for the 25-man roster for opening day, John Gray would be slotted as the fifth starter for me because I think he's starting to figure it out. He's starting to look really good. I know he didn't look the best today, um, but he's still got a lot of swinging strikes, which is good. His curveball still sounded good, according to the people on the radio. I trust them. Um, 
And when I think of someone as a fifth starter, basically we're looking at Antonio Sensatella, Chad Bettis, Jeff Hoffman. Mm. And when I want out of a fifth starter is someone who has the potential to go seven innings and throw a shutout over someone like Chad Bettis, who's more likely to go six innings but give up four runs. Hmm. I don't know. You're you're th- you're saying that you'd prefer the upside. Yes. I want. I would take bad Jeff Hoffman with the good Jeff Hoffman as our fifth starter, especially with the way our top four mostly pitches. So what you're saying is we can take a risk on Jeff Hoffman because the top four are actually doing pretty decently most of the exactly. time. Exactly. And okay, I don't fault anyone who wants Bettis to be the fifth starter because he's super consistent. You're usually going to get six innings. You're usually going to get like four runs. He's going to give you a chance to win the game almost every time, whereas Hoffman yeah. will sometimes not give you a chance to win a ball game. But I'm willing to I take that risk. Bettis actually hasn't been that bad this spring. I mean, again, spring training stats, but um, Bettis has 11 strikeouts yeah. in 11 innings. I mean, I was not expecting that. No, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Chad's working on something right now that maybe he's helping him out. Um, and it, it's not like if, if we roll around and Chad Bettis is the fifth starter, I'm going to be upset or anything like that. We have uh-huh. depth at starting pitching for the first time in, like, forever. Ever. So that's nice. That It's nice to for us to be able to have the debate of Jeff Hoffman versus Chad Bez versus Sensatella and not say, well, they all suck, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Just, like, put somebody yeah. on. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love it if Jeff Hoffman would finally become Jeff Hoffman. Um, I, I mean, I'm still kind of iffy about the whole consistent pitchers at course things um i don't think there's a i really don't think hoffman's gonna make the team to start it's it's gonna be bettis well when bud black came out and said a couple weeks ago that they think of jeff hoffman as exclusively a starter that said to me that he's either making the rotation or he's going to be in triple a they're not even going to mess with him being a reliever which for me is perfectly fine i think 2019 is probably his last chance to stick as a long-term starter with the Rockies. Um, so whereas if he falters in 2019, they'll probably either trade him or shift him to a reliever full-time, which is, uh-huh. I don't, I think Jeff Hoffman would be a really good reliever. I think there's the potential that he would be a better reliever than a starter. He worked on that fastball at driveline, right? Yeah. And he was up to 99. Um, those first two starts, he was touching it consistently. His calling cards always been that curveball. And I, I know at Coors we mostly think of curveballs as not being the best pitches, mm-hmm. but I think Jeff's is just so good that while Coors does affect it, obviously, it's still a good pitch. Well, you can get a you can, you can throw curves at Coors as long as you start them lower than you think. Right. His, no. and I think where he runs into trouble sometimes is that's always been his, his like I'm in trouble. I'm going to throw my curveball, and. His mindset has always been, I'm in trouble, throw the curveball in the dirt, but the problem is is it's hanging and not going mm. in the dirt. Yeah. What's interesting about the, um, I mean, I was reading up on uh, like 
Grant Levine and Murphy and Notto about how everybody's working on their launch angles and stuff. Mm-hmm. So pitchers are responding by throwing a lot more high heat. Which and if which Nolan in that article we mentioned earlier in the pod, um, he talked about how all the pitchers are starting to throw these higher fastballs, and if you're trying to lift the ball rather than putting the backspin on it, you'll miss those pitches more, according to Nolan. Who is also really, really good at it. Yeah, so I'm going to just trust him on that one. So that's the thing is, I mean, if Hoff could get that high-velocity fastball down, this might be that year. I mean, I know last year I was extremely high on Hoffman, and with the benefit of hindsight, probably too yeah, high I on know. Hoffman. But yeah, hey, I was a Murphy person for a little bit. Yeah, I, Hoffman has so much talent. If you looked at just based off talent purely, I think he's our third best pitcher behind Marquez and Gray. The problem is, is that Freeland Ooh. and Anderson have that mental part of the game down that Jeff just has not been able to obtain, and it's possible that he never obtains that, but is still a good pitcher. Not every pitcher is super mentally at that point. Like Max Scherzer was really good with the Tigers, and he wasn't there yet, and he finally got it when he was with the Nationals, and now he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. We're going to talk about um, things that make the uh, pitchers really, really good versus really, really solid in, in just a bit. Um <clears throat> Let's just round out some more um, spring training stats. You know who's um, surprising me? Who I I don't know why I like this guy so much, but I've always liked him. Carlos Estevez is a thing again. Yes, wild things back, dude. Ten um, Ks in six point one innings. What's that K per nine? Like thirteen or something? Yeah, it's he's got a extremely good fastball. And as a reliever, sometimes you only need the one pitch. He also has five walks, but, you know. To be expected. Uh, that's to be expected. I mean, and the reason I think we're talking about Carlos Estevez, and do you see DJ Johnson and his 0.00 ERA? How many innings does he pitch, though? Oh, 6.1. Oh, okay. No. You know what? Yeah. You, you know who else has a 0.00 ERA? Broberg. Nice. I'm I know a lot of people are sad that we did not re-sign Ottavino and I'm sad to not see him in a Rockies uniform, but I think they made the right call in not re-signing him because mm. of people like Oberg. Otto will always have a place in my Me heart. Too. We got we got two more O's to go though. Um you know who else surprisingly has a zero point zero zero in four innings? Wade Davis. Nice. He um, looked really good yesterday, I think it was. Yeah, he's crafty, you know. I mean... He's going to find a way. He was a starting pitcher for a long time. He's got a four-pitch mix. He can do a lot. Of, he does. He's not reliant on his fastball, which is nice for someone who's starting to age. And then we're going to go to the, the last and possibly surprising 0.00 ERA and five innings pitched, Mike Dunn. Okay, so uh, Jack, a.k.a. Underbubble, is not here right now. But he's, like, really starting to drink the Kool-Aid on Mike Dunn in our Slack messages. <laughs> and um, uh, I'm really not there. Dunn's going to give that that long ball at some point. Yeah, I mean, he, ju- he came off of major shoulder surgery. 
Uh-huh. And for any pitcher, that's troublesome. And for a pitcher who already tends to just get smashed, it seems more troublesome than normal. So maybe there was some new fangled surgery that he had that minimum people have had. So we don't know the effects and maybe it's helping him. I don't know. So my kind of like Mexican doctor, like Pat Vileka style. Maybe. (laughs) I would, I mean, I'm okay with that. Get your edge, baby. Doctor, doctor. (laughs) I don't know. I don't Um, don't know. I'm still not, I'm still very wary of Mike Dunn. What's his, uh, I, again, this is all spring training stats. Seven strikeouts, no walks. I do like the no walks because he is a guy who sometimes gets in trouble with walks. He has the lowest whip on the team of people over four innings at 0.4. Nice. Do like that. You know? I do really like that. And DJ Johnson's is 0.63. Um, Which, can we just, for a moment, take a step back and realize that the Rockies found this dude in the Mexican League? God, DJ Johnson, he needs a bobblehead. He does. Today. There should be a DJ Johnson bobblehead day. I would buy two of those. Yeah. That beard, though? Mm, it's a great beard. You think him and, like, Nathaniel Rateliff, like, look-alike contests? Mm. Let's see. Maybe we should do that. Let's sponsor that. <laughs> anyway, besides uh, Nathaniel Rateliff and DJ <laughs> Johnson spinoffs, um, son of a peach. Um... People who distinctively don't have that much facial hair and who aren't doing so well, um, San Juan O. Yeah, which he had a neck issue from sleeping wrong, he says. Um, I don't know. You're a multi-million okay. dollar athlete. I think that the team will give you any advice you need on sleeping, so that's weird. But he hasn't pitched a lot, and I know he got lit up the other day because it was his first time back. So not concerned for me at all i just don't throw him against many lefties he's yeah no which oh oh i didn't mean to use oh and oh oh that oh oh oh, oh. oh. anyway oh we didn't talk about the thing that you have to do now because of major league baseball possibly next year the rule changes oh yeah we totally meant to do that in the first segment do you want to do any of that now you want to save the next one uh let's get through these pitching stats and then we'll do real changes Okay, so O's getting lit up because he's facing lefties. Uh, Brian Shaw, I don't know what you did in a former life, but um, go undo it. Yeah, he went to driveline this year. Ottavino took him, and I'm sure we'll mention McGee soon, to driveline. And so I was very hopeful, especially of Brian Shaw, because he's just been so consistent throughout his career that driveline would just be like oh here's what you did all those years in cleveland and then when you got to colorado you were doing this which is totally mm-hmm. different and they would fix him right. and yes it's spring training stats so i'm not my concern meter on a one to five five being the most i'm like at the start of spring i was at a five. two and i've just steadily climbed up that ladder i'm at a 4.2 with brian shaw there is that there was that time of there was a stretch of time where he couldn't not give up a run. He gave up, like, three hits each time or something. Yeah, it has not. My, my hope is that he's, he's working on something, and that explains it all. What is he working I on when he's 33, know. though, right? I don't know. That's the thing, is once you're in your 30s, you're like, you shouldn't be working on something. You should be making sure that you have the things you have. Yeah, I don't know. I am, I am getting more Unless nervous. you're trying to, like, reinvent yourself with, like, a knuckle curve or 
Maybe he should try. Maybe it. there's like some kind of spitball or something. Nice. Mexican spitball. <laughs> um, how about your boy Jens? Yancy, who just got optioned to AAA today. Ooh. He'll he'll be up here. I think he he'll be like the second or third in line when when and or if um, someone gets hurt. Um, so I still expect him to impact the major league roster sometime this year, but it won't be till like the summer, maybe even the fall. Hmm. Do you think that Muskrat's going to be on the roster? Just because he's a lefty, he won't make the 25, but just because he's a lefty, if a Dunn or McGee goes on the, what is it? It's still 10-day, right? Uh, didn't they change it to 15 again? Because the Dodgers are abusing the 10-day? I don't remember. I know they changed the name to the injured list. You can't call it the disabled list anymore, which is going to take me probably like four years to get used to. But... I think they uh, they proposed it. Regardless, if one of those two gets hurt, he's up. He's the next guy up for those two. So he'll because he'll make the roster at some point this year, but he's not making it a spring. Yeah. Um, Jake McGee. Uh, I was so sure this is going to be because it's an odd year. It's going to be good old Jake McGee, and he's good old two point zero zero whip. Yeah, I was more worried about him than Shaw coming into spring and I was very interested to see how he performed and it has not been great Uh and I would love to hear that he's working on something but he's pretty much exclusively fastball breaking ball and nothing else so I'm not really sure what he could be working on I thought he had some of his velo back but I don't know know. you shouldn't have the same amount of uh I mean, he's got nine strikeouts, but he's also got nine earned runs, so... Mm, not great, Bob. Mm, not great, Bob. Um, other other small little things. Um, Herman Marquez did something amazing again. Nine pitchers, or nine batters faced nine strikeouts. Yep. Um, All swinging. Tyler Anderson is meh. Tyler Anderson's fine. I don't, I don't worry fine. about Tyler at all. Kyle Freeland's fine. I don't worry about. There's four, three guys I don't worry about: Marquez, Anderson, and Freeland, because I know exactly what I'm going to get from them. Anderson, you know it. Anderson sometimes going to get blown up, sometimes look amazing. Freeland's going to almost always look amazing. Marquez is sometimes going to give up home runs, but for the most part, look amazing. Yeah, um, I really want to talk about John Gray, but I forgot about Chris Russin. Oh yes, let's talk about Chris Russin. Who? What happened? Uh, Thomas Harding. He's only got two innings pitched. Yeah, Thomas Harding said he had a bet. His back was really stiff. So okay. Um, That's why Musgrave's going to be on the opening roster, probably. I don't. I don't. Rustin's getting up there. And he was never a guy that was like his 2017 was like the aberration over his career. So I don't know. Uh-huh. I thought maybe I don't know. Rustin is still someone that I would not dislike seeing on the major league roster, but man, he, I'm getting more nervous about him. You know, he, he's 32 now and it was really his man, that 2017 year with that 2.65 ERA. Yeah. That was so nice. It was. Um, what's well, interesting when you look at his career stats in 2016 and 17, he had, in 2016, he had a 2.5 ground out to air out ratio 2017, 2.0 ground out to air out, and now 2018 went to 1.8. 
you know, trending poorly. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we wanted to. Do you want to talk about rules? Do you want to talk about some more pitching? Uh, are we gonna get? Are we gonna stump for John Gray real quick? Oh my God! So reasons that you should like John Gray. One, his hair. Yes. Two, his ghosts. Yes. Three, his hair. Also his hair. Four, this little thing called E minus F. What's E minus F, John? Uh, ERA minus fielding independent pitching. So fielding independent pitching is walks, strikeouts, and home runs given up. Things that the pitcher can 100% control. And it's and figured in a math equation the same way you would figure ERA. So it, right. it reads the same. So in ERA's terms, um, John Ray really got hurt by the long ball this this last year. You know, 1.41 home runs per nine. And that bad up of 322 was pretty bad. Not great in the ground balls. Home run per fly ball rate of 18%. It was just... That's what killed him. Then as soon as he gave that up, the whole game kind of spiraled, if you can remember. Mm-hmm. ERA, 5.12. FIP, 4.08. Which? Meaning he's got the number one E minus F in baseball of 2018, of 1.03. Which basically says he got super unlucky. And we know for some of the reasons that he got unlucky was um, – Mentally, he was not all there as far as he was losing weight during the season. And so it was messing with him because he wasn't able to do the things he's used to. He wasn't able to throw the ball as hard as he was used to. He wasn't getting the right spin on his slider or his curveball because he just didn't trust his body. So this offseason, he's been basically a weightlifter. And he looks thicker, which is exactly what he wants. And he's looked tremendous throughout spring. I know he didn't have the greatest day, was it yesterday or two days ago? But mm-hmm. that's going to happen with a pitcher in his spring training. Not a big deal. He's... Right. Before Marquez blew up, I said John Gray was the most talented pitcher the Rockies have ever had. Now I'm thinking maybe that's Marquez. But I would still solidly put John Gray as the second most talented pitcher that's ever worn a Rockies uniform. Yeah. His... Uh, I also like looked into swing strike percentages... And he was almost up there. Which, swinging strike percentage basically is has become one of the top things to look at for any um, sabermetric person to look at a starting pitcher or a reliever and say how nasty their stuff is. Not necessarily how good of a pitcher, but how nasty their stuff is. So, you know who was a higher swinging strike percentage? Um, oh, no, never mind. He's right there. John Gray had the uh, 14th highest swinging strike percentage at 12.4% and highest E minus F. So I would really hope that he's going to have the year that we're expecting to have. Yeah, and I would just like to, when we go back to this ERA minus fielding independent pitching conversation, when John before John Gray got sent down early in the season or around the All-Star break, his FIP was extremely low, leading many people to think he was just getting super unlucky. And I think for the most part in the beginning of the season, he was. Until he got sent down, I think that really was strange for him. So if you look at his fielding independent pitching for the first half of the season before he got sent down, it was 3.05. When he got called back up, it shot up to 5.49. 
And I think we all can remember watching him pitch, and it just wasn't the same. He was pitching to contact, which is just not John Gray's forte. His uh-huh. his way of pitching is striking people out and creating weak contact. He's not Kyle Freeland, who's pitching to people a certain way to make them hit the ball in a certain way. John Gray's pitching at you to miss your bat. Right. A Rocky who actually had a higher swinging strike percentage is our newest, most talented Rockies pitcher, Herman Marquez. Yeah, and again, I'll reference that StatCast podcast the other day. Uh, Mike Petriello basically said Herman Marquez is his pick for Cy Young this year. Wow. So that's a thing, and we all should get on board with it. The other cool thing about Herman Marquez, he had an EMSF of .36, so his ERA of 3.77 was... Um, 0.36 higher than his FIP of 3.4, so he's expected to trend downwards. And his BABIP was also 3.11, so he might even trend downwards there too. Yeah, all of his advanced numbers show what he did last year was not a fluke, which is exactly what you want. Kyle Freeland's um, say that he should regress some, which even if he regresses some, he's still extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. So, and then we will go into the thing is the EMISF only really works well some of the time to evaluate, like, expectations. It works for like, it um, works for strikeout guys like John Gray and Ramon right. Marquez and Max Scherzer so, and Kershaw. Yeah, you can't go on and say, hey, look, who's got the highest EMISF? They must be the best pitcher. Like, Lucas Giolito is the fifth in the EMISF. Which, and that's... Gio's got a lot of talent. He just, man, if we, <laughs> if you think Jeff Hoffman's disappointing, yeah, Giolito was a top 10 prospect in baseball, and whoa, boy. Yeah, the difference was .57. The ERA was 6.13, though. <laughs> yeah. So he just doesn't good. Yeah. And then, like, our, our other pitcher, Tyler Anderson, at a negative 0.02 EMISF. So it basically... His ERA and his FIP were the exact same because he's not going to be like your strikeout guy. Yeah, and like I said earlier, Tyler's going to be a dude who just sometimes he's going to get blown up, and that's just the reality of the situation. He's a perfectly mm-hmm. fine number four, number five starter, which is exactly what he is on our team. I wish that like Chad, if Chad Bettis was like a little bit faster, if we could just piggyback Anderson Bettis and then put Bettis as long, you know. With this whole opener rage, I honestly wouldn't mind if we tried that piggyback thing that we did in 2012. Because we have, like, if you told Tyler Anderson, you have three or four innings, just go full Uh go. And then when you're done, Chad Bettis, you have three or four innings to go full go. He has a good two innings, too, sometimes. You'll you'll see a Chad Bettis start in, like, the first two innings, like, he's got it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with those back-end starters who have talent— it's, they're they're gonna show you flashes of really good, and then they're gonna get blown up. I mean, and Chad Bettis had that like uh, Philadelphia start too. Yeah, it was only like what two years ago. Um, I don't know, but he almost had a no hitter. I do remember that. I remember missing mm. it because of my daughter's dance. Thank you. Mm. Um, there is one other little thing I wanted to talk about, advanced stat wise. Then maybe we do the rules, and then maybe we're done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was looking into uh. True Runs Allowed, or T-E-R-A, which is a Defense Independent ERA Estimator by Grant Macquery. I guess he likes daiquiris or something. Maybe. I, don't know. I like daiquiris. 
Graham Macri Dacri. Mm. Anyway, he um, he likes FIP. He likes XFIP. But he says that FIP and XFIP ignore uh, performance and balls in play. And batted balls can still tell us something about a pitcher's skill levels. Ground balls are good since they normally result in outs, especially in Coors Field. Fly balls have a higher probability of resulting in extra base hits. Pop-ups are almost guaranteed outs. Line drives are most likely ball type of ball and play to end up as a hit. So TRA takes all those and, again, scales it down into TRA of excellent at 3.2, Grade is 3.5, above average is 4, awful is 5.5. And so I was just kind of curious about Rocky's pitchers in TERA. And Otto was great. Obviously. Sensatella at a 4, which was not great. And then everybody at a 4.2 or higher out out of the bullpen, which in TERA is about average. You have O had a 4.5, Bettis at a 5, Yancey at a 5.1, Russell at a 5.5, McGee at a 5.9, Shaw at 6. Remember Poundsman? Yes. 6.5, Musgrave 6.6, Dunn 7.56. So So what you're saying is this is super pen was super not pen. I just think if you're going to have a super pen, you really need to – I don't know. My super pen, you focus on – TRA because you can't give up an extra base hit in extras. Yeah, I mean, bullpen arms are already volatile, and mm-hmm. even more so with the park that we play in. And McGee had 2017 where he was mm-hmm. really good for us, or was it 2018? No, yeah. Well, and the weird thing, the converse thing is the TRA isn't very rewarding to our uh, starters either, though. So I wouldn't say it's perfect. No, it's just um, all of these stats you look at that are these advanced analytics, you don't just take one. You look at a lot of them. It's the same. It's the home road splits that people always spout about our hitters. You got to look at more than just that. Yeah, like Chad Bettis is a TERA of 6.39. Freeland's, Freeland, our best pitcher, is a 4.44 TERA. Which is probably pretty close to his FIP. I think his FIP was like... Low fours, high threes. 4.22. Yeah. Or no, his FIP was 3.67. Yeah. But, so it's it's not like any of these things are, like, perfect one or the other. I think that it's an interesting idea. Um, I'm kind of curious about all players now and seeing who had the best one. So I'm going to guess uh, Max Scherzer. Of TERA? Yes. Um, again, new stat we're just trying to like fool around with. Well, I got the worst one. Oh, I think you switched the query. The best one in at least, say, 100 innings. 100 innings. So relievers are in this. DeGrom. Oh, yeah. 2.15. Snell, Sale, Bauer, Bueller. Bueller? Yeah. So the interesting thing, so even though that's the scale, the TERA scale, we went over is 3.2 to 5.5. The um, top 10 are 2.15 to 3.79, and then Freeland's at 4.44 at 11. So I just don't think they've kind of done the um, the average seems like, TERA. Yeah, it seems like they've got a big aggregate 
and yeah. most fall in this aggregate, and then there's a few outliers either way. Right. So. But, I mean, that would be the reason that Kyle Freeland was the 11th best pitcher in TRA then. And he was one of the best pitchers in baseball regardless. So falls in line just, with what we think. Yeah, just having just having fun with some stuff. Um, speaking of having fun with some stuff, looks like baseball is having fun with the rules. <laughs> there, yes, Major League Baseball, the Players Association, and uh, Major League Baseball did agree on some rule changes. Um, I don't know if anybody saw it today, but the Tigers had an extremely long uh, meeting today with the Players Association where they basically talked about, um, they said it was like 20 hours, or excuse me, 22 hours. There we go. It took me a little bit there. Two-hour meeting, and the player rep for the Tigers said it was extremely beneficial, um, got a lot of things out in the air. So it sounds like the Players Association and the players are starting to get on the same page, which many will interpret that as good. Some people will interpret that as bad. Um, but anyways, just wanted to get that off my chest just to say that. But there are some new rule changes, um, some of them effective now, some of them effective in 2020. Um, first rule change, no August trade deadline. So one trade deadline, July 31st, got to make your decision then. I'm in favor. Also in favor. The waivers was confusing for everybody, and it was stupid. We also lost Daniel Murphy off that, so stupid. That's why it's stupid. <laughs> That's one reason why it's stupid. Also, the Astros had to shit or get off the pot, and they didn't, and they still ended up with Verlander. No. Make your decision quicker. Also, um, the Home Run Derby winner will get a million dollars, which is new, apparently. I didn't know how much they made before, so look for Nolan Arenado to get a million dollars next year. Hot take. I, I love Nolan. He's not going to win the Derby, though. No, I don't think a Rockies ever... Larry Walker had that one Derby where I think he finished second or third. Yeah. And otherwise, we're pretty terrible at it. I don't really get it. I mean, I guess a million dollars is really, really nice, but for a baseball player, is it really that nice? I mean, imagine, like, Chris Bryant, who makes, like, 550 grand. He's still making that, isn't he? I think so, yeah. Didn't, like, Blake Snell get, like, 100000 or something? Yeah, he was really pissed about it. Yeah, he was really pissed about it. Which he should, should be. be, yeah. Um, I mean, even with these new rules, there's we still have this whole. We'll talk about it next time the whole players getting shafted by their teams thing. Yeah. So a 2020 thing would be to have expanding the everyday rosters to 26 players rather than 25. However, you will only get a max. Uh, where is it? You only get a max of 12 pitchers, and then in September. It will raise to 28 players rather than 40 like now, and you will get a max of 13 pitchers. Or excuse me, 13 pitchers for the 25-man roster, 14 for the 28-man roster. So, Uh, reduce it from 40 to 30, you know. I've always found it strange that during the most important stretch of games, we play with completely different rules. Right. I my proposal has always been, and not that I have a voice in Major League Baseball, would be to do forty man rosters in April. You still get all of your um, prospects and stuff up, and AAA and AA seasons don't really start until mid April, anyways. So uh-huh. you're not taking anything away from them. I don't know. I just always thought it was 
that would have been a better proposal. But it's like reversed because then he's like, "Hey, do you actually have talent in spring training, or are we just, you know?" Yeah. Then you get to see here's him your in light here's bolt. your shot. Yeah. Like, what's what's the point of spring training if you're going to be like, well, there was spring training and cut. Yeah. So I do like this. It's a much harder decision to make. Yeah. And I do like this new proposal of 26-man rosters. I'm not in favor of setting a maximum of how many pitchers you can have. I get why they're doing it, but I'm just not in favor of it. Um, And then also with that, um, you have to designate a player as a pitcher or a hitter. And basically how Major League Baseball is doing that is saying they're trying to basically reduce position players pitching throughout the year. So there is an exception where if you're in extra innings or if your team is ahead or behind by seven or more runs, then you can throw a pitcher out there who's not designated as a pitcher. So what people are probably thinking of is how does this affect Shohei Otani? Because that's what I think. As long as you play 20 games as at a position, which DH counts as a position, he can both DH and pitch. It was it really that much of a problem? I don't think so at all. Um, I think this is an overcorrection because we did see a lot of position players pitch last year. But was there at any time where you felt like there was a position? This player is the pitching, big thing. Yeah, in an important game when something was on the line. No. Oh. Yeah, it, I think it was just an. Over, this is this feels like an overreaction to just seeing a lot of position players pitch. Also, like year. seven earned runs. I don't feel like baseball's ever done that. We've we've always done stats, you know, like oh, a save has to be within like three or four runs with a certain like people on base for certain things. Sure, that's a stat. Or a win has to be a certain amount of innings, or you know, quality stars with a certain amount of innings and a certain amount of things. Those are all stats, yeah. but they're just they're just fun parts of the game, you know. But the game itself was never really decided. Like it was never changed based on seven earned runs. I mean, seven run difference. Yeah, and I don't know. I feel like that's when you see like 98% of position players pitching anyways is when the game's out of hand. So you putting a specific number on it, I don't know. It just seems strange because... It seems stupid. And also like say like I'm like a bad team and it's like, oh, it's five runs, whatever. Oh, I can't I can't put in a position player now. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. It w- has to be seven runs. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like baseball already was doing similar it was it wasn't like the dodgers in the eighth inning were saying hey yasiel puig go warm up your arm to pitch in a one-run ball game they weren't nobody was doing this yeah i don't know it just seems like manfred's manfred's been a really strange commissioner they're just extremely reactionary yeah and then, so the three, uh, three batter minimum. Yes. So the other rule is, uh, if a pitcher comes in, they have to face at least three batters, unless they are hurt in the process of that, or they finish the inning out. So you might. So a lot of people are crying the death of the loogie, which, yes, they are going to be significantly hindered. But if you have enough confidence in your lefty to come in and get the final out of an inning, then you're fine. Yeah, but if the final out of the inning isn't the lefty... Yeah, then you run into problems. I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah, I'm on the fence of it. I I, I wish that they would have experimented with this in, like, 
A or double A or triple A or, you know, yeah. before just saying like, yep, this is going to be a rule in 2020. Like, yeah. I don't know. It just seems like it could have used a trial and error portion rather than just implementing it. Right. I, I mean, it goes back to, for me, it goes back to me hating the, uh, it kind of evens out the AL for me in a sense because in the AL there's never really a penalty for you bring in a bullpen pitcher because you have the designated hitter. Yeah, you know you don't have to reorganize your lineup at all or bring any defensive switches in or anything because you're like, yeah, here's my pitcher now. But I guess now you have to face three batters. Yeah, and also of note in these changes, the DH is not being implemented in the National League. So just throwing that out there. It's not. It is not. And it's it not. shan't. It's not in 2020 either. So, but we have in a 2020, more time of real baseball. <laughs> but in 2020, we switched to a max of six mound visits. And guess what? It's now going to be five. Which? Oh my god! Just like who cares about the pace of play? It's baseball. Baseball viewership is up. Just because Manfred hates baseball doesn't mean that we have to like change all of it. You know what I I bet it was is, is they studied how many pitching or how many mound visits there were and they were probably like mm-hmm. oh there's an average of three of them we can lower this to five so teams mm-hmm. should have just used up all six and they would have never changed it. I, what I don't get is the the pace of play. I think our society is actually trending towards baseball anyway because it gives you that natural break because we're all stuck in our phones and apps and computers anyway and it gives you the natural break oh yeah here's a pitching change i'm gonna go update something well i mean that's one of the reasons why i love baseball is i can put a game on and then i can start cleaning dishes or playing with my dog because i don't have to focus on the game and feel like i'm gonna miss something nobody who is who is like the one guy was like baseball's five minutes too long that's why i don't like it like, who's that guy? Uh, Gary. That person's a jerk, obviously. Yeah. But, like, everything's just been so reactionary to problems that don't exist. Well, I think that pace of play was something that you could work on, but I just... The pace of play thing that does work for me is the pitch timer, you know? Yeah, the 20-second pitch clock. That, that's fine, you know? Can't have a Raphael Bennett Well, and I live down the street from a AAA ballpark. I go to frequent... I go to the games frequently, and I don't notice the clock. I never notice a pitcher feeling rushed because of the clock. And the second someone's on base, the clock doesn't run. So it's exclusively for when there's no runners on base, there's nothing going on. There's no reason a pitcher should take more than 20 seconds. There's nobody on base. You don't have nothing to, You have nothing else to do. Why, why are all these changes happening anyway? I mean, I think one of the things that people around baseball need to recognize is yes your viewership is older than the nfl and the nba but a lot of people become baseball fans they're already baseball fans however marginally it is and then as they get older they start gravitating toward the slower pace of baseball and that's why the viewership is so old because people who are old like watching baseball it's going to be the same call me old john i mean it's going to be the same when you and i are 50 (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm still going to be watching baseball. I'm still going to be, like, fine with waiting a little bit longer so I can get a chore done or something. Yeah, I mean, um, I think baseball just needs to recognize that 
you can appeal to younger viewers while also recognizing that the 50 viewership is always going to be there because people, when they get older, are going to gravitate towards it. The thing that I would be fine with in changing the rules that, like, other, you know, other leagues of sports do every so often is, you know, you change to either make it safer or to, like, correct something. You know, the NFL kickoffs changed. didn't really change that much, but I guess it reduced some concussions and things like that. And in... If football wanted to find a way where they could keep Tom Brady from going to the Super Bowl, that'd be great. <laughs> I'd be all in favor of the rule change there. So I think they were they one of the things they were talking about was like making the bases bigger or something, or pushing the mound back about like two inches or something. So or limiting the defensive shifts, right? Yeah, they're they're running a, a study in the Atlantic Independent League, which is um, an independent league, so it's not affiliated with any major league baseball team. But it's a high enough independent league where former major leaguers have played and where people who have made the majors have played before. Um, So they're implementing a slew of changes. Like Zach said, the bases are 15 inches squared. They're now going to be 18 inches squared, which that doesn't mess with the 90 feet, but it Mm -hmm. does at the same time. So you get three more inches on a steel base. There's... There's six inches on a steal that you lost. Yeah, so you now have more time to stop your slide. It's going to be you can get to your slide quicker. You can get to the base quicker. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how maybe it less works. contact. Yeah, I'm. That you is, wouldn't have uh, your your foot being stepped on by uh, Manny Machado. Uh, Manny Machado. I don't know. It's it's it. I had never heard anyone ask for that rule change, but I am extremely into that rule change. It's not a rule change. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm extremely into it. Um, And then the pitching rubber being back a little bit farther. It's two feet, though. That's too much. Two feet's too much, but I'd be interested because eventually, you know, baseball arms are just going to be too crazy. I mean, Jordan Hicks exists. Yeah, 105 in movement. It's impossible, and I mean, it would be crazy because you'd have to change everybody's, you know, lives. Like, everybody's lives have been specifically designed for that, you know, length. Well, and so the Atlanta League, for the first half of their season, it's going to be 60 feet 6 inches. And then for the second half of the season, it's going to be 62 feet 6 inches. Which, I don't know. I'm not a math or science guy, so I don't know the exact parameters of it. But 2 feet seems like just too much. If you want to yeah. go six inches to get up to 61 feet, I feel like that's the max. You get a nice round number. And six inches seems like it would do the job. Two feet just seems like too much. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious. So a 100-mile-per-hour fastball goes 146 feet per second. So if we add on two f- feet, you would get how much more time? Yeah, I'm out of my element already. What? Well, we're going to figure out that next time when it's not like 9.53 or 10.53. So then they're also going to do a um, strike zone that's by TrackMan, which is the system that tracks like spin rate on baseballs. So they're going to do a strike zone that's done by TrackMan. I don't know how that's going to work. I've heard varying degrees of... 
uh, this is going to help the pitcher because now those backdoor curveballs are going to barely touch the strike zone. It's going to count. I've heard people saying this is going to help the, the hitter because they know exactly what a strike and what isn't a strike now. I don't know. I guess go ahead and throw it in a league that nobody really cares about to figure okay. it out if it works. But So if we did 146 divided by 64.6, because I, I would like to try to figure this out maybe. So if we had 146 feet per second divided by 64.5 feet, that would leave us with maybe seconds perhaps. I think it's late at night, which gives you about 2.26 seconds, whereas 62.5 feet gives you – nope, that's wrong. Boy, I cannot wait till someone who is really good at math like just schools us on this when this gets posted. Anyway, it, it increases your reaction time. Yes. In baseball. By 0.1 seconds or something. And I feel like major league hitters don't need two more feet of reaction time because they're already hitting well. I mean, Earl Chapman are. gets hit. He throws 100 consistently. He gets hit. He's going to get hit more at two feet. I don't know. I don't like the change. I don't, I'm fine moving it back six inches or two inches or three inches or anywhere in between. But two feet just is too much. Now, if somebody, if somebody is really point oh two seconds or something like that, so if somebody's really good at math, can just tell me that it's not going to be that big of a deal. Then great, but it feels like two feet is going to be a big deal. Sure. Um. So does that about do it? Yep, I think so. Oh, also look up DJ Johnson. And Nathaniel Rateliff. And DJ Johnson is just a happy Nathaniel Rateliff. <laughs> Happy-go-lucky guy. I'm just telling you, look at DJ Johnson's pictures. He's super happy. He is. Because he made a major league roster after playing in the Mexican League. Not the Mexican Winter League, the actual Mexican League. Fairly similar. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that about does it for the Rockpile Talkpile. I'm Zach. I'm John. And we will see you next week. You guys. Start wearing a purple, wearing a purple. Start wearing a purple.